Hi, everybody. Welcome on this wonderful Monday, June 22nd, second day of summer. Didn't realize the first day of summer was, was yesterday because this past three months has felt like kind of like a summer vacation for me. So it's all been just one long summer because I'm an introvert mostly. I mean, you get some alcohol on me, maybe I'm a little bit of an extrovert. But uh, over this three months, I believe I've interacted with two people, two. And I am a smitten kitten about that. So, you know, this summer, it's just a summer that keeps going. So if I have to interact with two more people over the next month, so be it. Or none. You know, what the hell? Who cares? <laughs> so uh, yesterday, watched Hannibal a bunch. Love that show. It is gross. So, I mean, if you want a weird horror movie show that's kind of like Dexter Morgan on steroids, then see it. So... I got into like a Hannibal Lecter Reddit hole because I was kind of curious about his past because, you know, they, they usually show him as the Anthony Hopkins older in jail uh, serial killer reads people or in this in this show, he's, you know, 40s, 50s and kind of a fully formed character. And he's got a serious backstory because he's uh, he's based on this book character, obviously. So they just gave him a lot of backstory. But I, I learned that he was born on January 20th, 1933. And for some reason, that's stuck in my head. And I don't know why, but like, for the rest of my life, I'll know when Hannibal Lecter was born. And it's like, why does some stuff stuck, stick in my head like that? Does anyone have like, moments where it's like, why can't I apply this to useful knowledge? But here I am, I can tell you when Hannibal Lecter, the made up cannibal psychiatrist was born. And I'll be able to do that until I'm 90. So great. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, watched a really funny Netflix movie yesterday called Killing Gunner. It's just a, it's a 2017 like hot shots kind of parody movie about mercenaries killing each other for no real reason. It's got like 70-year-old Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of kicking butt and just being silly and sprouting and just saying his catchphrases. Like he'll say, get to the chopper. Or uh, just other 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 of his uh, catchphrases. So really fun to watch. Uh, if you have an hour and a half where you just want to kind of smirk, I needed to like get the taste out of Ham Hannibal out of my mouth. Literally, I didn't want to like have cannibal-based dreams. So I watched that at like two in the morning. It was kind of nice. Like I watched thirty minutes of it and I fell asleep. And you ever do this? You wake up like three four hours later. You watch fifteen minutes of a movie, go back to sleep, and you wake up like two three hours later watch the next 15 minutes. And over the course of like an eight hours sleeping because you wake up so much, you've watched the movie in pieces. It, that doesn't sound like something people do actually. That's just something that I do because I wake up a lot because my dogs are big and clumsy and they kind of just bash into things. So they wake me up, but I'm, I'm used to it now. And plus I have nowhere to be. So it's like, oh, I wake up after two, three hours of sleep. Who cares? I'll just go back to sleep. I don't, I don't need to wake up till, I don't ever need to wake up actually. I could wake up at 11 p.m. and nothing, no consequences would happen right now. So life is good. But uh, I really wanted to talk about this main kind of, this main, main issue I have. I'm kind of, I'm a little perplexed because there's some stars, movie stars and TV stars that stick with us forever. There's the George Clooney's, the Leonardo DiCaprio's, Brad Pitt's, Angelina Jolie's, Jennifer Aniston, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. These are just, you know, staples of our lives from like age five to 50. You're just going to know them. They're going to put on, they're going to have a good movie like one every, once every couple of years, but they're just grade A prime beef superstar movie stars. And then we have some Comet 
uh, actors and actresses that only are there for like five, 10 years of relevance and they somehow burn out of the spotlight. And you're not sure, you're not sure why. You kind of have this reaction. You're like nose furrows and your brow kind of gets all tight and you're like, yeah, I liked him. Or yeah, I liked her. What happened to them? And so my favorite version, or should I say like saddest, is I'm not sure, is it, am I loving him more because this happened to him or am I just sadder because he's gone? So you tell me, text me and let me know. Is it the favorite version or the saddest version? But uh, it's Brendan James Fraser. And if you don't know who Brendan Fraser is, he was this movie star in like the early 90s to the early 2000s. He was this big, bulky, square-jawed leading man. He had these like piercing green eyes. He had the strong, floppy 90s middle part hair. It was like an adult Sean Hunter look. Just, you know, just a look that you could really only pull off in the 90s. Like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but as an adult. And I don't know why that was a good look at the time, but it worked. And it works on him. You can look it up. I mean, this is uh, this is a slab of man, uh, Brendan Fraser. He's like six foot three, like 230. Looks like a linebacker. Or, I mean, you could say like a like a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady kind of quarterback look to him. I'll say more Brady because Peyton Manning is not a good-looking man. That man, you could land airplanes on that guy's forehead. It's a five head. It's like a six head. No, it's like it's like a nine head. It's just way too long. But that's what happens when you take HGH, huh, Peyton? Zing. I mean, not that Brady probably – Brady probably takes it too. But <laughs> whatever. He's my He was my quarterback, and I have six Super Bowls. So there. So back to Brendan Fraser. Like – I mean, you probably all know him from The Mummy when he played Rick O'Connell as kind of like that Indiana Jones, uh, like snarky archaeologist who can also fight demons, but also get the girl. And I don't know, he just seemed destined for greatness. And he had the acting chops to do comedy or dramatic roles. Like it didn't matter. He kind of went back and forth. He never did one or the other really exclusively. And he wasn't afraid to take risks. He worked with some of the greats and he kind of, he never felt like he was overwhelmed by the situation or by the gravity of who he's working with. Like he worked with Joe Pesci, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Sandler, Steve Buscemi, uh, Sandra Bullock, Al Brooks. And he always, he seemed like he belonged in the room. You know I mean? It wasn't like Denzel Washington acting Ethan Hawke off the screen in training day. You know, it wasn't that. Even though Ethan Hawke, I guess, I think he was supposed to be intimidated, like Jake Hoyt in that movie was supposed to be intimidated by Alonzo. So I'll, I'll give him some credit. If you want to see someone really get acted off screen, look up uh, in Heat. It's uh, Al Pacino and, God, what's his name? The uh, the guy who is uh, dating Al Pacino's wife in that movie, uh, Hank Azaria. He just gets acted off screen. But uh, there's been rumors, actually, that Al Pacino was so coked out of his mind during that movie he would just improv lines that weren't part of the script and everyone was just scared and had no idea what he was doing. And you don't want to talk back because Al Pacino, especially Al Pacino on cocaine with those big eyes and that like, wah, kind of voice to him. Yeah, I'd be scared too. So, but how, do, how did I get on Al, Al Pacino with he? Oh yeah, being acted off after, off the screen. Uh, Brendan Fraser, no, he he held his own. And you have some, I mean, so like what happened? So I looked it up and there's some what ifs, like he almost played Clark Kent in Superman Returns. He almost had like, you know, the Superman role, but apparently he did his own stunts in all his own, his movies. And there were some seriously like physical ones. There's like a football one. There's the mummy movies where it's kind of in the Tom Cruise crazy action movie stunt level. 
and his body started to break down. He kind of had he had some back and knee surgeries, and but I kind of I thought this was going to be more of a fun exercise, but shockingly, I came across there's kind of a there was a sexual assault in his life, and at a luncheon in 2003, the head of the Hollywood Foreign Press, Phil Burke, who also ran the Glo- who runs the Golden Globes, grabbed his genitals and. He spoke about it. He spoke out about it in small circles of inter- the entertainment community, and it seems like he was blackballed in Hollywood for like the foreseeable future. And he went into a serious depression, uh, had a divorce, put on a bunch of weight, and I mean, it all just seemed to mount from this moment. And he kind of spoke out to the public about it in 2018 when the Me Too movement was going on. And so I guess that's kind of the. Uh, just, I mean, it makes sense. I, I totally understand if all that stuff happened to you, you're not going to be able to really focus on your craft. So I'm really sorry, Brandon or Brendan. That, and that's also one of the things he shouldn't have been named Brendan or Brandon Frazier because it's it Brendan or Brandon. You always confuse the two. So he should have been like B Frazier or something like that. But I mean, now he's mounting a little bit of a comeback with shoes, shows like Doom Patrol but let's revisit the more joyous times of Brandon Frazier and just see, you know, the glory and the comet that he was in the 90s and 2000s. So in 91, he worked on a River Phoenix movie called Dogfight, was paid 50 bucks. He broke a rib doing a like action sequence and then he was off. He just started doing movies like two or three a year all the way through like 90... Through 99, he does like three or four movies a year. It's pretty freaking impressive. But 92 is kind of his coming out party in Encino Man when he plays Link, who's a frozen caveman who Pauly Shore and Sean Austin find and they dethaw and kind of show him like 90s SoCal, you know, 7-Eleven surfing, skating kind of community. And it's just a fish out of water movie. It's fun. It's light. And he pulls it off as a caveman. And then... Instantly, in the same year, he does School Ties, which is his best performance ever. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, go run out and see it right now. It was written by Dick Wolf. Yes, Law and Order's Dick Wolf, so you know the plot's good. It was like a 1950s elite high school prep school, and it was about a poor Jewish quarterback, played by Brendan Fraser, who hides his, who hides his identity uh, during uh, his uh, stay at the school, because at the time it's not cool to be Jewish, which is a bummer because, you know, I'm Jewish and now it's cool to be Jewish. I feel like we, we kind of run Hollywood. So that's good stuff. But he's this character, David Green, and he, you know, leads the team, becomes super popular. Some people are jealous about him being, you know, the quarterback and the lead. And eventually they discover he is Judaism and he's kind of persecuted for it. You know, like they put swastikas up over his bed. Uh, they stop talking to him at lunch. The girl he's dating from the other school breaks up with him. And there's a great scene. I mean, when he finally sees the swastika over his bed, he goes outside of the dorms in the pouring rain and he's like holding the flag in his hand. And he's like, whoever did this come outside. And he just has this great line reading where he just screams like coward to everybody in the rain. And it's just, that's some serious acting chops. Like you get the goose, you get the goosebumps seeing him in that. And I mean, it's a, it's such a identifiable scene, and you've seen it too. I think I guarantee. Uh, I think Family Guy made fun of it, or they like showed like Brian as a dog being persecuted at a school uh, in the same way. So, if Family Guy makes fun of you, you're part of the zeitgeist. 
And this movie had like a murderer, murderer's row of a young cast. It had Matt Damon, uh, Chris O'Donnell, Cole Hauser. Uh, if you don't know Cole Hauser, he's the redhead dude from Days and Confused and also the big dude from Matt Damon's crew in Good Will Hunting, who's like, it's a good engine, Will. It's a good engine when they're uh, building him a car. Ben Affleck. And, you know, it's just, he stands out. He's the best actor in the movie. Him and Damon kind of go toe-to-toe. Damon plays a sleaze in this movie, kind of the guy who's like, was the quarterback and was the star until uh, David came across. And you can you can kind of see another side of Damon. Damon never really plays like the sleazeball, wormy, uh, rich kids, and, or like a villain, really. And this is kind of one of his roles where he really does that really well. And you wonder if kind of two two roads in a diverging wood. You feel like he could have been a great villain or a great character actor as well, rather than just a leading man. And, you know, there's a huge cheating scandal at the school that he's, that, uh, that Brendan Fraser's character is blamed for, but it wasn't his fault. And he has this great quote at the end. I mean, he just, he commands a room when he says a quote and they're like apologizing about the cheating. And he looks at, he gets up, stands up, looks the headmaster directly in the eye and he goes, use me for football. I'm going to use you to get into Harvard. Good day, sir. Walks out. That's how the movie ends. And you're like, okay, this guy's going to be a part of my life. And I've watched that movie a ton. And also it's a good sports movie too. It's like, it's old school fifties football. So like the quarterbacks running a lot and they got leather helmets, but it's decently uh, directed football. And that's kind of rare in a movie that's not about sports when they have good sports parts to it. So props to them. So 94, he does this movie with honors and it shows a different side of him. He's kind of almost in the Matt Damon role from uh, School Ties. He's kind of this elitist, snobby Harvard uh, kid. And they find Joe Pesci, who's a homeless guy who went to Harvard like way back in the day. They find him kind of in the side of the road and like take care of him and they become friends. And like, it's one of those, you know, learning from someone from a different perspective kind of movies. And you know, Frazier goes from being the snob to being caring about other people and understanding the world a little bit better. And that's, it's just a nice nineties movie, like a classic, like if you see the rainmaker with Matt Damon, like that's a classic nineties law movie. This is like a nineties classic, uh, learning about your fellow man movie. It's just cute. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. My kindergarten teacher used to say, give people warm fuzzies. And that's what this movie does. So shout out to Miss Ward. Actually kind of cute. So she actually, I don't know how she found my parents' address, but she sent my parents pictures of me and my kindergarten classes over this pandemic time. I guess she's finding like all her old pictures and tracking down the parents and sending out uh, old school pictures of, uh, you know, kindergarten uh, students. And it's very cute and very endearing. So props to Miss Ward. So if you ever hear this, Miss Ward, you're awesome. And then in 94, same year, he does Airheads, which is just a really fun stoner movie. It's just this uh, terrible rock band that he that uh, wants to make it big. His name's Chaz in the band. He plays in the band with uh, Buscemi, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler. And it's kind of like their grunge, heavy metal, kind of early 90s rock. And they take a radio station hostage and become like a huge phenomenon because of it. And it just, I mean, the, the guns they're using have hot sauce in them. You know, they didn't really mean to take over the place. And it's just, it's basically like an SNL skit gone wrong. And it's just fantastic, stupid movie. Sandler's just kind of the quiet drummer, but 
him as a lead man uh you you can see it as him him as a like an aspiring rock star that's kind of a failure too so kind of the burnout phase too so i like that that's definitely a fun movie to kind of waste an hour and a half with he also he also tends to have like one good quote in uh these movies that shouldn't have good quotes like he in this movie he's like he's like i'm normal and screwed up enough that i can make something great and you're like wow that's a good yearbook quote you know what i mean and also it, it makes sense it's like yeah, that's how you kind of resonate with the the masses. You're just like, I'm I'm normal, and I'm screwed up, and I'm willing to write about it. So, props to props to Chaz. And then the same year too, he does this movie called The Scout, which is this Albert Brooks sports movie where he finds Brendan Fraser's uh, as a pitcher who's in like the middle of nowhere. And this is where he kind of you can see his physicality. You know, he's a big strapping dude. He looks like a professional athlete. And he's just this good-hearted dummy, but he can throw like 108 miles an hour. But there's personal reasons that he has like family issues and, you know, just deep-seated emotional issues that are kind of keeping him from being great. And the movie's a little rough. It's not great. Albert Brooks being Albert Brooks is always fun. But in the last like 20 minutes, it's the best one game played in movie history. So Brendan Fraser as Steve Nebraska, great name, by the way. You know, if you name someone after, you know, a city or a town, it just sounds good. Steve Nebraska. And he has his first game. He's a Yankee. He play. He has a perfect game and hits a home run. And in the last pitch of the perfect game, he's, he's, he's like striking people out. He's throwing like 104, 105. On the last pitch, they focus in on him. And he has this big like Cheshire Cat smile grin on his face. And he throws it like 111 and knocks the catcher clean off the uh, – off the mound and like, you know, he just goes like rolling past and it's just, it, you want to watch like a 20 minutes that fires you up, watch the look up the last 20 minutes of the scout. Then he does blast from the past, which was, you know, blah, but kind of watchable. It was about a 1950s family that uh, thought that we had been hit with the atom bomb. They had been in a shelter underneath, but apparently a plane had just crashed on their plot of land. And in like the nineties, he comes out to kind of see what society is now. And it's kind of him and Alicia Silverstone kind of fish out of water, fall in love. And it's okay. But Christopher Walken being the crazy dad kind of carries it. Then George of the Jungle, which is hilarious, fun for kids, fun for you. If you want to watch it with anyone from age 90 to nine, it works. It's just, it's it's one of the first, I think like Deadpool owes a lot to this because it's one of the first fourth wall breaking uh with the narrator like every time the narrator chimed in like george would chime back to him and it's just funny charming and he's wearing like a loincloth the whole time and somehow he pulls it off because you know the physicality and also he's just a funny guy he just he's good at like silly kind of uh prop humor and also physical comedy like it doesn't have to be a line reading he can be just goofy he's got those big bug eyes and a really expressive face so George of the Jungle, you want your kids to be happy while you're actually watching something you like, like SpongeBob kind of style. That That's one for you. And then this is the biggest hit of his life, uh, The Mummy, where he plays Rick O'Connell. And he's a smart mouth, adventurous, heartthrob in 1920s Cairo. And, you know, he's got like the leather suspenders and like the boots up to the knees and like the shirt that's unbuttoned a little bit. And he's fighting... CGI mummies and Rachel Weiss is like swooning over him and he's using swords and knives and dealing with kind of like horror kind of stuff, you know, uh, like 
creepy bugs, you know, dead bodies and, you know, spirits. And he's one of these people that when you watch him in unbelievable situations, he seems it's, he normalizes it for some reason. Like Nick Cage can do this. Keanu Reeves can do this. Patrick Swayze can do this. It's just for some reason they make these crazy situations feel like they're actually happening. Like it's believable. And that's the magic of the movie. And that's the magic of Brandon Fraser. So this was, this movie made like $470 million. It's just very cool. Still holds up today. And he's smart mouth. You know, he's got that Indiana Jones, uh, doesn't really care what anyone else thinks, scoffing and kind of giving that face where it's like, that kind of thing all the time. The Michael Douglas early 90s face where he's just like, I'm indifferent. So I really liked it. And the other two, the, the two sequels were okay, but this was kind of, this was the apex mountain of the Brendan Fraser pyramid, pun intended pyramid. And then he does Bedazzled with uh, Elizabeth, Hur- Elizabeth Hurley, who plays the devil, and he's just a regular guy. And it's a silly deal with the devil movie. You know, he gets 10 wishes and every wish kind of has, it's a monkey's paw kind of wish, you know, like something will go wrong. It's like, I want to be the, I want to have the biggest library in the world, but you can't see, you know, that kind of thing. So it's basically, again, like an SNL skit gone on too long, but it shows he can do a lot of things. Like he plays the straight man as as in the beginning of the movie. And he has like nine other roles, like a drug kingpin, which is really funny. He wakes up, and he's speaking Spanish and he's like, Oh, I, I didn't know I could speak Spanish. And that he's just saying it in Spanish. And he's like, just saying random things. I think he says like, don't you have la biblioteca, which I still just use randomly. It's just, and he's just like very proud and puffed up chest. And it's just, it's funny to watch him kind of be surprised by things. And he plays an NBA athlete. He plays a nerd. He plays a way oversensitive professor. And it's just like, there's a lot of his movies that are just mindless. And this was a mindless fun one. And the one after this too, Monkey Bone, where he's a cartoonist whose cartoon comes to life. That one's really funny and silly. And this is, and then finally, like his last really good role, uh, it's a minor one. In 2002 on Scrubs, he plays Dr. Cox's brother-in-law, Ben, who had cancer. And you see Ben following Dr. Cox around. And Dr. Cox, played by John C. Riley, he kind of, he eats everyone else's lunch. He's very intimidating. He's a better actor than everybody else. He, I mean, he just dominates the screen. It's like King Kong working with, you know, little people and just squishing them all. And when Brendan Fraser comes on as Ben, you're like, oh, here's someone who can actually give it back to Dr. Cox and go toe-to-toe with him. And they're funny together and they're goofy. And it's just kind of a jarring, it's jarring to see someone on stage with Dr. Cox as his equal. And then you learn the whole time that he's been in the episode, he actually died. And this is just, Dr. Cox's coping mechanism and they end up at Ben's funeral and JD who's uh, Dr. Cox's apprentice kind of gives him this like whisper he's like where do you think we are and then the soft music comes in and then you know it's all sad and you're just you know Ben never really was there and he's dead so the fact that he can get on a 22 minute comedy medical show and make you feel that's the power of Brendan Fraser and it's hard to say his name really fast too Brendan Fraser there we go better and then after that, it's all garbage. <laughs> it's like the end. And I mean, he played, he played like a security guard in The Affair, which I stopped watching after season one because, I don't know, shows about like sex and cheating and all that stuff. After one season, I'm kind of done. 
it's kind of it's lost the luster is off the shine is off the penny at that point you're just bored he played a good like a uh, security guy in the show called trust which should have been better because it was directed by danny boyle but it just wasn't that interesting doom patrol he plays like a weird robot but you don't see his face and i like seeing brandon brendan fraser's face and yeah it's just garbage and voiceover stuff so there so from 2000 from 1992 to 2002 he kind of just had a moment and he's gonna i'm gonna remember him forever and you should too and you should check out some of his movies and appreciate kind of this this 10-year window where he brought joy to a lot of people and he could do anything he could be smart he could be dumb he could be physically comedic he could be sad he could be emotional he could be in an action movie he could be physically imposing he could do it all he was he was a Swiss army knife of an actor and I'm going to remember him till I'm old and gray. So Brendan Fraser, thank you. If you ever see this or you ever listen to this, just know you're one of my favorites and I'm always rooting for you. And maybe one day I'll have you on and I can just talk to you about all this. And, you know, we can discuss the mummy over and over and school ties. I just want to, no, I just want to discuss school ties for an hour and a half and we can just scream coward together into the night. So sounds good. Later, Brandon. <laughs>